the learning, continue to learn for the refuah shleim of my uncle Shmuel Akoen ben Chaya, Shlomo David ben Penina, Natan Daniel ben Malka, and um, the, yeah, yeah, Shmoshe ben Ben Sarah for refuah shleim of the This these days that are between Yom Kippur and Sukkot are very very special days, uh, according to many of the tzaddikim. That these days are almost like free of cheshbon. You know, free of, I don't want to say anything that might get me in a lot of trouble, especially since everything's recorded these days, but <laughs> that's why Shabbos Shurim are always the best. <laughs> so this Indian of after Yom Kippur and Tosukis, these, these days are very, very special days. Uh, Sukkot is already Sunday night, right? So we have mm-hmm. today, tomorrow, Shabbos, Sunday. It's four days. It's, they call these days God's uh, Numen, which means God's name, the Yud Kevavke. It's spelled out on these four days because Am Yisrael is completely clean. Whether you feel it or not, Yom Kippur did work because it says about Yom Kippur, Itzumo Shal Yom Echaper, the day itself cleanses whether you like it or not, whether you're, remember we talked about this last time, whether you're stuck in the feelings of did it work or not. You could still be stuck in those feelings, but the power of the day itself comes and cleanses, this is a God's decision comes and cleanses us completely. So the morning after Yom Kippur is a very, the light and the, the feeling of uh, the exaltedness and that everything is possible, these days stand on its own then from, from the rest of the year, the whole calendar of the year. And um, a general question, which I hope that each of you can relate to, meaning that I hope that each of you had a moment uh, whether you're with children or grandchildren, but whether you had a moment during Yom Kippur, or Shana as well, to truly soar in Shul, or wherever you were, to have moments of really of spiritual enlightenment and really take off, you could, you could relate to the same thing that many of the men could relate to because they're in Shul all day long, or most of the day. And that is, how do you come back to the world? How do you come back down here? How do you... Remember the Torah about women after they give birth that it says that they can't really be come in contact, they, they, they can't come in contact with the Besamikdash, with, with the, with the but all the Torahs we learned about there is that a woman after she gives birth is in God's world. She's very much nothing to do with this world. And that's why, I mean, I never understood how women are able to even talk to people after giving birth. Like even to talk to someone. How do you even relate to people that are on Olamazeh wavelength when you, when a woman is in you know, a completely different hemisphere. Uh, well, on a, on a certain level, what happens to us in Yom Kippur is that we're going through a mikvah, a cleansing, which, due to the nature of the day that we're not even allowed to be connected to any, on any physical level to our bodies, we, we really do soar very, very, very high. And Rav Kook was such a sensitive neshama, because Rav Kook was so nervous about the, I don't want to call it descent, because hopefully we're still climbing high, but more the integrating back into our bodies, into that which defines us in more or less as being alive in this world. How do you do that? It's a lot of tension. Rav Kook writes all over Rosa Chuva that many, oftentimes when a person does go through these very spiritually deep, long kufot in life, and they have to do a lot of cleansing inside, one of the natural one of the natural results of strong tshuva 
is that the body suffers from it, even though you're doing something good. And he brings the unfortunate example of when someone goes through radiation. or he, I don't know how much that was so much big in his time, chemo and radiation, Shilonida, Hashem Yishmor. But Rav Kook does speak about what happens to the body when it goes through radiation or it goes through chemotherapy. So there's some kind of work that's attacking an illness, but what is, how does it work in a very messed up way? Because it works by injecting what into the body? So the same, he says the same thing with tshuva as well, is that some, for some of us, the way that we're working on ourselves is that a certain poison that gets injected in the body, it's just the nature of how the tshuva process works. So the question is, how do we come back after Yom Kippur? How do you come back into the world? And that's why Hashem, in His infinite mercy, gave us the mitzvah of sukkahs to answer that exact question. How do you come back after Yom Kippur? And in what way do you come back into this world where you're not like a malach like you were on Yom Kippur? You're like a human being that's really just trying to work on himself and get his act together. And Rav Kook says it so beautifully. That's why it was so important that we get to learn this morning. I'm going to read this slowly. The first piece you have in front of you is a piece from Orota Tshuva, Perek Yudale, the 14th chapter in Orota Tshuva. The famim. Sometimes, when a person mitamets, when they struggle, when they work hard on being what? Medubak. What is it? Uh, no, medubak. Yeah, devik. Like davuk. Oh, oh, oh. They meant stuck. Dvekas. Right, sorry. Dvekas. When a person really works hard being medubak, being clinged, being, being yeah, stuck, but in a nice way, <laughs> in a higher realm of ruchnius, and I try so hard, I'm working so hard, I want to feel it. I work so hard on myself. What goes up? What's mitromem? All the, the uh, spiritual powers of life ascend high into the world of supernal thought. Okay, now, I could translate that again into English and it still wouldn't make that much sense. Mm-hmm. And then you have to remember with Rav Cook, you really have to work with yourself. And dr- even once you translate it, you have to limshochoto even more into your own vocabulary, into your own way of understanding what he just said. So we'll try it again. Bitromemim kol kachot ha'chaim aruchanim lemala be'olam machshavayal yona. In this higher world of thought, all your thoughts are suddenly not down here. You're not busy thinking about what am I going to have for dinner, where, as opposed to you know a world where you would be much more you know inclined to be thinking about what am I going to have for dinner, as opposed to when you're thinking how am I going to nourish my neshama tonight. Who thinks like that? How often do you think, like, okay, I have to make sure there's food for Shabbos, as opposed to I have to make sure that my spiritual food is prepared for me for Shabbos? Well, he says, when you're really working very hard on yourself, and that's, it's, it's a constant, there's an, there is this elevation up, something's going up. And everything goes up where your thoughts are, you realize that what you're thinking about has very little to do with anything that's going to keep you grounded down here. Now, on Yom Kippur, what are you thinking about? 
<laughs> At a certain point, though, when you when you cross over, right? Everyone has that crossover, huh? You're thinking about life, like your your machshavot, just your thoughts ascend. So it's not really like that. Our bodies are definitely necessarily changed in Yom Kippur. Everything about the inyanim of the body are only there to help you raise up the sparks of your thought. What are you usually thinking about? Now, you could try this on yourself right now. Many of you have been up for probably three hours, I would guess, average. Three to four hours. It's 10 o'clock right now, 10.15. Three to four. Six hours. Four. Because olam achshavot, because your because thoughts are so supernal. So it's, it's all... It, it, it's all but there's an Indian, so in the last three, four hours, think for a second. How much of our thoughts were busy about in, in Olam HaMachshavot HaElyonot, thinking about exalted things up there? Rav Cook says that Dafka days after Yom Kippur were naturally inclined, if we let our Neshama still peak and still express itself, we're going to have very little to do. If we, didn't have, if we didn't have to be dragged down into this world, we would stay in that place of Olam HaMachshavot HaElyonot. There's a famous story of a Hasidic Rebbe. His name is Rabbi Michal Zlotchev, the Zlotchev Rebbe. And this Rabbi Michal Zlotchev was a Talmud, I think, of, of the Be'er Ma'im Chaim. Maybe the Be'er He was around right after the time of the Baal Shem Tov. And he has a certain nigun that they only sang at Shalashiris. It's a famous story. We sing it sometimes in our house. You know which one? I, 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 I. In Breslov they sing it. It goes like this. It's a very deep nigun, very transformative nigun. And at Shalashidis, there was a, you know, you have like, you go to somewhere, you have a designated driver that doesn't drink. So they had a designated this-worlder that wouldn't sing the nigun because everyone would transcend while they sing the nigun and they couldn't, they needed someone to come and shake them out of it. The story is one shalashudis, the designated non-singer got caught up in this nigun too. And by the time they finished singing the nigun, the Rebbe, his nigun, he had died. He, he went, he, he transcended, he, he was so... In this world of supernal thought, that without anyone to bring him back down here, there was nothing he could do. Now, this is true on many surfaces. I, we know, all of us here know, so many people that don't know how to come back into this world and deal with people in this world and taxes. and Not that they should, but <clears throat> just being in this world because they're stuck in the world of supernal thoughts. So Rav Kook says, on a cloud level of Am Yisrael, we kind of are there on Yom Kippur. Now look in the middle of the second line. Ve'haguf ne'ezav minan shama. And the body is ne'ezav. It's left from the neshama. There's some kind of a separation between soul and body when this, when this process takes place. Ve'alid ezeh ha'midot hara'ot sholtot and when this happens, you think you're flying so high, being completely disconnected from the body? You might be. What's happening to your body while you're completely disconnected from it? He says, Midot ro'ot ra'ot sholtot bo. Bad 
I don't know what the, I don't know the right translation here for midos. Because it's not midot raot sholtot. I mean, when the blood when the body is completely neglected, and you're just flying high with your supernal thoughts, what happens to the body itself? It's completely taken over by negative qualities. There's only one example I can think of right now. Hanasara, you're the only one probably that knows who I'm referring to. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want it to be a certain Rav in the 80s that also hung out at Ruach quite often without saying his name. That he was so disconnected from this world that I believe that eventually he passed away with illnesses mainly directed as a result of anorexia because he was completely not connected to this world. So you might say, wow, Himamish completely was mevutal, disconnected from anything physical, but Hashem didn't create us as angels. He created us as people to try to figure out how to bring down the spirituality into our physicality and not to have a disconnect. So if Cook says the danger of a day like Yom Kippur or a post-Yom Kippur world is that we don't know if our, our physicality or the way that we relate to this world might be neglected. Because we have this picture of what it means to be close to Hashem now. And that picture doesn't contain anything physical. Nothing. So that was designated for it to be just one day a year. But there are people that take that to the extreme and say, that's really the way it should be all the time. And then what are you left with? An impossible way of living in this world. So far, so good. Third line. When this spiritual, supernal way of looking at your life, let's say the spiritual high does come to an end. Shana Aleph is officially over, or whatever you want to call it. And vitality returns back to its natural state, which is the way that you and I have koach, like on Yom Kippur we have koach by not eating and by our neshamas being mitzvahikus, but on the Thursday morning afterwards, with breakfast, I have, I, I, I have koach, right? Mm-hmm. So life goes back, vitality returns back to its natural state of order. Motzet haneshama et haguf shavur, the neshama finds the body broken, bekilkulet chunotav, with a distorted way of its context. He says here, amazing, amazing. A great, tremendous war starts to take place between what? The neshama and the body. It's pretty, pretty, pretty intense. Between the neshama and the body. Now many people go through this. I've seen many burnt out Bali Chuvas that have not, that they were they were let's say they were stuck in a very uh, olam hazeh world before let's say that they were they their Yiddishkeit was revealed to them, so then sorry then the extreme is what forget everything about this world, I'm gonna go completely to the other world, but then what happens they don't know how to be with themselves anymore. There's not there's no chibur. Uh, two years ago when we were learning this the Torah was similar to this we we we, we camp with the term gefilte fish handshakes. Do you, know that, do you know what that is? No. I'll do it with, with Bina, with my wife. These are guys that like, 
Very it's nice. like this. You, you used to know them before they were like got into Yiddish and they were strong or whatever it was, people. And then you meet them after a while and they have no idea to be in this world. So, yeah, they, they built this because they don't know anymore how to. Strength to them brings them back to a, you know, any form of strength or of character. Character reminds them of where they were once, right? Any form, of, any form of strength within character brings them back to the place that they tried to leave. Because they work so hard on subduing that part of them and just flying. So if Cook says, Matchila, Milchama, Pnimit, Gdola, Umesukenet, Meod, a dangerous war begins to take place. Why? What's the danger? If you come to the conclusion that Hashem wants you to destroy your character, then I don't know how high your spiritual elevation really was. Something might be missing there. In your interpretation of what it means to ascend. And people have to go through so many different extremes until, like the Rambam says, they do find that balance. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's something that's been stuck with me forever when I heard Rib Shlomo say that a, a, a sign of someone who's spiritually flying with God is, is, is found in a person who feels closer to every human being he meets, which it's not really the way that most people kind of live because they say the opposite, right? It's such a hard thing, though. It's such a hard... How do you know if you really got, got closer to Hashem? Did you get closest to all the pieces of Hashem that are in this world? Right? That's not, that, to me, is... That's my dream, to be able to, to have that as my motto every single day of my life. Am I closer to people? Most people think, no, I... To be closer to Hashem means I gotta leave as many people as possible. Then, right? Then the milchama pnimis begins. Then that war begins. How do you relate to people? How do you? How could you be in this world? How could you talk to people? Ubishvil kach tzvichahi hatshuva. The fifth line. And for this itself, for for the you need tshuva for what? For the tshuva that you did. You did such tshuva which took you away from anything in this world, that was essential. You needed to do that. But now you need another tshuva. You need tshuva over that, over that which took you away from everything in this world, all the physicality. Because you have to figure out a way how to now blend back in to the way that Hashem created this world for you. You have to figure out a way. You know, it's very dangerous, I see with couples sometimes, when one is flying high and the other isn't, it's a very... So very, we, we used to think, no, the man learns for the house, and it's you know his learning is you know the schluss of you letting your husband go to shear, then you know, that'll be the schluss that comes into your house, and that'll fulfill the house, and you don't have to. But those days are it's not so shaykh over here, because women need to be learning. I wouldn't say just as much, but women need to have learning all the time as well, so that they could also be nourished. You can't just say it's going to come from them, because then what happens is a complete balance. I don't know any woman in our neighborhood that really flies just as high as her husband by letting her husband dive in and learn all day long and she feels it's coming into the house anyway. I'm sure there are places that it's like that, don't get me wrong. The Baba Varebbe's granddaughters are probably like that. Probably. Because that's the, it's embedded in their nature. But for us, it's a, different, it's a different program. And in fact, one of the first things I asked, when I asked my Rebbe how to, 
everything started with the shul, developing with the shul. I asked him, you know, what should be one of the first things we should be doing here? He said, you have to make sure that there's a women's shear, just for women, learning a lot of the same tochen that the husbands are learning as well. Not exactly the same exact text, but context similar. Because people have to be on the same pages. So, so that there won't be another milchama pnimis erupting in a house of such, you know. I know what you're all thinking right now. What do you think about Uman, right? That's probably what you're thinking. Well, what do you think? Should, should women let their husbands go to Uman, right? Next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, which we spoke about just last night. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. So, so, so you understand, this is, he says over here, for that alone you need tshuva, on that you need tshuva. So if you jump now to the, to the bottom over here, Olat Re'aya, this is Olat Re'aya, is a parish of Rav Kook on Tefillah. He has two volumes, parish on the Sidur. It is mind-boggling. We have it downstairs, we don't have it here. Olat Re'aya. And Rav Kook says like this, now he's going to talk, everything he said right now was really about Yom Kippur and Sukkot, but now he's going to say it straight out. Look at the bottom paragraph. Al yedeha aliyah shel Yom HaKippurim through the ascent that Yom Kippur in its nature provides for every single Jew, man becomes very distant from this world. I mean, you know, come on, like last night, that moment, we had to turn on the phone, that moment, right, or check unnecessary statuses right away. And Hashemus didn't want that, but we, we, we have this kind of, you know, like, well, whatever, that's, that's the world we're in. But for the real, real Heiligen Hashemahs that let Yom Kippur do what it, what it could do to them, coming back into this world is very, very hard. We spoke about this in another time. For me personally, and I know for many others, there are two days a year that it's very, very hard to come back into. Do you remember which ones? Two days a year. That the day after, it's very, very hard to come back into this world. Does anyone want to guess? Besides yesterday, what are the two? Oh, that's on a physical level? No. Oh, spiritual level. Okay. So after Sukkot. For me, it's the day after Purim, where on Purim itself, you go into this reality of inafoku, but you really buy into it, that, that, that all those, you know, all the upside down is really the Amos, right? And then the day after Tisha B'Av is also extremely painful to go into. I never connected to the festivals that take place during the week after Sukkot, uh, after Tisha B'Av. It's very hard to go right back into weddings and because you mourn so much for something and then it doesn't get rebuilt, but then you don't have to mourn anymore. It's a very weird thing, right? So for me, it's been the, you're saying day after Pesach and you're saying day after Sukkot. Yeah. So... Again, through the ascent of Yom Kippur, you get very distanced from this world. You need some kind of a guarding from any obstacle. Any obstacle that you meet that has to do with this world, you need some kind of a shmira. You need to be kind of guarded as to how to relate again back to this world. The same days, these days, now look at the words he says here, 
We're in the last line of the last word of the second line. These days that were given between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, nitnu lechinuch. They were given to us for chinuch. Shel chazara leinyanei haolam azeh of returning back to this world, b'teul hagun bikdusha, but in a framework of beautiful and just holiness. Meaning, Hashem said to us, I know how high you flew. I was there, I was with you. Nihila, we were there together. You screamed Hashem Elokim, I was saying I love you, right? So we were together there. So Hashem says, I know that. So now what do we have to do? I'm going to bring you back into this world. You have to come back to this world. But I'm going to give you all these mitzvahs, all these physical mitzvahs to be busy with, all the building of a sukkah, the schlepping of schach, putting schach on top of your sukkah, dalit minim, going to a shuk, buying lulav esra, gadasam aravos, decorating your sukkah. I'm going to give you all these things that are going to keep you busy, this world level of busy, but there are all these things that the, how would you say, like the inter, um, like when, you, when, when something comes back, what would be the right word for it? Sorry, the integration of it, of coming back, is filled with Kedusha. Literal Kedusha. And then the Cheshbon, it says, the Cheshbon of your, your count for this world, Sukkot is called Rishon Cheshbon Avonot, the first of now your count, your tally for this year, of how you were on the mitzvah and Avera chart, really begins on the first day of Sukkot. When what? Shemit basasim in yanei haolam azeh, when, when you know how to be back into this world and hold on to Kedusha. In other words, the mitzvahs that we're busy with in these days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot is so beautiful. They are the, they are the integration, they are the tzinor, through which I can come back into this world and relate to this world while I still am a ben melech relating to Hashem, that I'm able to have a bisus, that this world is, I'm back in this world, I'm la- I've landed. I've landed back in this world, and I can still hold on to holiness. You see, while, what does this remind us of? Who flew so high and couldn't come back into this world? So we had to go back and learn again what it means to really ascend. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son Rabbi Elazar, right? When they came out that first time, what was it like then? It was like a yom. It was like coming out of Yom Kippur without sukkahs, because they had nothing, no medium through which they could connect back into this world. So what did they do? They came out of the cave, and whoever they see, they're burning down with their eyes. That guy is planting, if he's harvesting a field, how do you know what he's doing with this field? Maybe he's supporting widows and orphans with the produce that's coming from the harvest. What do, you know, how do you know? But when you look at it just from the malachim view, from that like, you know, angelic view, there's nothing you can do in this world. So therefore, if Cook is saying the beauty of the days between Rosh Hashanah, between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, is that Hashem gives us these mitzvahs and being busy with such mitzvot ma'asiyot, practical mitzvahs, so that we could come back into this world, but in a beautiful, in a holy way. And then you can hold on to Kedusha, 
while you're based in this world as well. And that's why these days of Yom, between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, are really the, the gift of all gifts. It's days where we re-educate ourselves what it means to be a human being that's godly. You know, in the other religions, you can't have anything to do with this world. You can't even be involved with, 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 with procreation because that must mean that you're too involved in this world. And by us, unless you were married, unless you had children, you couldn't sit on the basement, you couldn't be in Sanhedrin. Because you have to know how to deal with, pe- being, knowing how to deal with people in this world is a real sign of the real spiritual enlightenment and, and hit alut ruchanit. So that's why it was so important for me. I, 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 we have to end a little bit early today, but this, these days are just, are, are a gift. Yom Kippur was a gift, but these days that are connecting Yom Kippur to Sukkot are a gift as well. And like we said, this day is called God's Numen, it's God's name. These days, these four days of Yudke Vavkeim, where man begins to teach himself again that which I thought is the only way to be holy, I have to, re, I have to re-educate myself. And I know this is not going to, This is, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this many times, you have to know that when you're changing your, ch- your child's diaper, that's the holiest thing you could do in this world. Mazel tov. It still stinks, right? <laughs> it still very much smells. But with a proper, with, with configuration, you really could, you really could understand how that could be a real reality. You really could. So I give us a bracha that this integration back into this world should be a smooth, a smooth sailing, a smooth landing, a smooth, a smooth transferring into a smooth transference into, into like into this world. You see, we're talking about the holy things. The gardener comes in, yeah. But that's that's part of it. Like that's really part of it. It was a perfect example. Like. What is he doing? He's, he's, he's busy making, hopefully bringing beauty to, to the house. But to us, it seems, oh, he's interrupting his sheep. Okay, there's ways you could do it, but if we could figure out a way to f- see Hashem in every single action, interference with people, then we know that we, had a, we, we have an understanding of how to schlep Yom Kippur into the rest of the year and not get too overwhelmed and frightened if you're not always flying so high. There's another way to fly. And that's when things are integrated. And that's really what's going on right now, these days with Yom Kippur and Sukkot. So it should be a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful Yantiv. And we'll meet after Sukkot, the, the Thursday after Sukkot, with Hashem. And those who are around today, we're having a Chalot for Torah, by us, 5 p.m., leaving the Kram's house, Hatsipur and one, going to the Shul. That should be very, very special. I think everybody's going to join us as well. Okay. Shakoach, everyone. Thank you.